Section 1C, General Headquarters, Air Corps Prepares for War, and Air Power in World War II. General Headquarters, Air Force, 1935-1939. The resulting reorganization established a General Headquarters Air Force a measure that set up a tactical air force under the direct control of the Army General Headquarters, but left the day-to-day -day organization of the Air Corps mostly intact, a confusing half-step toward an independent Air Force, and recognized that technological advances in aircraft would eventually make air power a significant military force apart from its early role of solely supporting ground troops. The appearance of the B-17 bomber and the threat of global war ushered in an era of great expenditure, manpower expansion, and more specialized and more sophisticated training. The General Headquarters Air Force resumed the practice of sending demonstration teams to fairs and expositions, and expanded the scope and scale of publicity flights to include large gestures such as goodwill missions to South America. These expeditions also provided opportunities to test the new long-range big bombers. In February 1938, the Air Force flew six B-17s with full crews, including enlisted men, to Buenos Aires to mark the inauguration of the new Argentine president. Even before the actual outbreak of hostilities in Europe in the fall of 1939, the General Headquarters Air Force had begun the massive expansion program that would blossom during the following years into the largest air organization in the nation's history. In 1939, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt asked for an appropriation of $300 million for military aviation. The Air Corps planned for 24 operational combat-ready groups by 1941, which called for greatly enhanced manpower, training, and equipment. The Air Corps prepares for war. In 1938, when the United States first took seriously the signs of war in Europe, the Army's air arm was still split into two cumbersome command organizations, the Army Air Corps and General Headquarters Air Force. The total force included less than 20,000 enlisted airmen, in 1940, Congress passed the first peacetime conscription law in United States history. By March 1944, when the Air Force manpower reached their high point, 2,104,405 enlisted men and women were serving in a virtually independent branch of the armed services. Moreover, they operated a sophisticated machine of air war that covered nearly the entire globe. Air Power in World War II, the European Theater If the First World War signaled air power's promise, the Second World War fulfilled the mission. In every aspect of aerial combat, air power served as a force multiplier and a vital component of the joint, combined arms campaign. Air superiority proved a prerequisite for successful land, sea, or air operations. On 1 September 1939, Adolf Hitler launched a massive assault on Poland that opened the greatest war in history and spawned the term Blitzkrieg, or Lightning War. The German Air Force, Luftwaffe, employed Messerschmitt Me-109 fighters to gain air superiority. Heinkel, HE-111, 
and Dornier DO-17 twin-engine bombers to pound Poland's capital, Warsaw, and Junkers JU-87 Stutka dive bombers to attack Polish ground forces and terrorize refugees. Commanded by Hermann Goering, the Luftwaffe emphasized speed and concentration of forces to crush the enemy. In April 1940, German forces surprised neutral Denmark and Norway, where Luftwaffe aircraft inflicted significant damage to Britain's Royal Navy, protected inferior German naval forces, and airlifted German troops to Norwegian airfields. In May, Hitler's forces invaded the Netherlands and Belgium. The speed of the German advance and the ruthlessness of the bombing of Rotterdam shocked the West. German paratroopers and glider forces surprised Belgium's famed Iban Email fortress, considered the strongest in Europe. When German forces attacked France, the Luftwaffe gained air superiority, masked the movement of German panzers through the Ardennes forest, and hindered Allied attempts to rally. Following the defeat of France in June 1940, the victorious Luftwaffe faced Britain's Royal Air Force in the Battle of Britain the first all-air campaign in history. On paper, the Luftwaffe appeared to have a decisive edge. With 1,232 medium bombers, 406 dive bombers, 813 single-engine fighters, 282 twin-engine fighters, and 50 long-range reconnaissance aircraft manned by experienced crews. Opposing them, Air Marshal Sir Hugh Dowding's Fighter Command assembled 704 operational aircraft, including roughly 400 Hawker Hurricanes, suited for attacking bombers, and 200 Supermarine Spitfires, a fighter equal to German Messerschmitts. Despite the apparent mismatch, the German Air Force suffered from serious weaknesses. Substantial losses had eroded Luftwaffe strength, in particular, the forces in France badly needed rest and refitting. Equally significant, German training, equipment and experience proved ill-suited for a long-range strategic air campaign. Although the ME-109 was a superb fighter, the short range limited the ME-109 combat time and tactical flexibility over England. The long-range ME-110 proved hopelessly outclassed by Royal Air Force Spitfires and Hurricanes. On the other hand, Dowding's Fighter Command had been preparing for a German onslaught since 1937. Using Sir Robert Watson Watts' innovation, radar, the British created an effective integrated air defense system. Dowding also exploded a breakthrough in code-breaking with the use of the Enigma machine. Any information gained from Enigma was top secret and known as Ultra. This gave British intelligence forewarnings of major attacks and invaluable insight on the status of German maintenance and logistics. Plagued by poor intelligence, Goering and other Luftwaffe leaders miscalculated, leading to a battle of attrition won by the Royal Air Force. Failing to appreciate the value of British radar stations, the German first attacked Royal Air Force airfields, and then after the Royal Air Force bombed Berlin 24th August, switched to a terror bombing campaign against London. Against German losses of 1,733 aircraft, the Royal Air Force lost 915 planes. By 15 September 1940, Hitler abandoned his planned invasion of Britain. 
In a tribute to the Royal Air Force Fighter Command, Prime Minister Winston Churchill stated, quote, Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. End quote. The fall of France in June 1940 galvanized President Franklin Roosevelt's resolve to fight Nazi tyranny. Knowing the isolationist sentiment of many Americans, Roosevelt turned to air power as a major weapon. The president called for American industry to build 50,000 military aircraft. Considering that in 1939 the United States Army Air Corps numbered roughly 1,800 aircraft and 18,000 men, this figure stunned air leaders and industrialists alike. American industry proved equal to the task, but aeronautical designs, blueprints, tools, dyes, airframes, and engines, not to mention factories, skilled workers, and the countless other components of an aviation industry required time to develop. Air logisticians such as Major General Oliver P. Eshals began the most massive aircraft procurement program in history. Until December 1940, the United States built aircraft at a rate of only 800 per month. By 1942, American factories produced 47,800 aircraft, and by 1944, an astronomical 96,300 planes. American industrial production emerged as a key to ally victory. To manage growing American air power, a major reorganization created the United States Army Air Forces. General Henry Hap Arnold was appointed Commanding General of the United States Army Air Forces and Deputy Chief of Staff, Air Force, to General George C. Marshall. In August 1941, a group of ex-Air Corps tactical school instructors created a doctrinal blueprint, Air War Planning Document 1, for the conduct of a strategic air campaign against the Axis. Led by Lieutenant Colonel Harold Hal George, Major Lawrence Cutter, Major Kenneth Walker, and Captain Haywood Possum Hansel. The team created the conceptual framework for the American air effort in World War II. Reflecting 1930s Air Corps tactical school doctrine of using massive force to destroy the enemy's will and capability to fight through long-range strategic bombardment, Air War Planning Document 1 called for 239 combat groups 26,416 combat aircraft, including 7,500 heavy bombers, 37,051 training planes, and 150,000 trained aircrew, and 2.2 million personnel. On 7 December 1941, quote, a date which will live in infamy, end quote, Imperial Japan dealt a devastating blow to the United States Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor. Two waves of 350 Japanese aircraft sank or heavily damaged all eight United States battleships. Concerned over the prospect of sabotage, the United States Army Ground Commander ordered United States Army Air Force's aircraft parked in tight rows that made prime targets for Japanese aviators. To make matters worse, a few hours later, Japanese forces caught United States aircraft on the ground refueling in the Philippines and destroyed B-17s and assorted fighters. On 8 December, the United States declared war on Japan. Three days later, Germany and Italy were at war with the United States as allies of Japan. Despite the fact the attack on Pearl Harbor was formally what brought the United States into the war, 
the war in Europe and the defeat of Germany would take precedence. As America entered the war, the Royal Air Force tried to persuade the United States Army Air Forces to switch to night operations, like those of Royal Air Force Bomber Command. Under Air Marshal Sir Arthur Harris, Royal Air Force bombing doctrine embraced night area bombing of German cities to displace German workers. To United States Army Air Force leaders, night bombing was ineffective, inefficient, and indiscriminate with regard to civilian casualties. After tough negotiations, the Casablanca Directive of January 1943 inaugurated the Combined Bomber Offensive, codenamed Operation Point Blank, combining American precision daylight bombing and British night area bombing. In February 1942, Brigadier General Ira C. Eker established the 8th Bomber Command, flying from bases in England in preparation for the United States Army Air Force's buildup. General Spatz assumed command of the Mighty Eighth in June 1942. On 17 August 1942, a dozen B-17Es from the 97th Bomb Group conducted the first American operational bombing mission. The strike against a railroad marshalling yard in Rouen, France, barely penetrated the German defenses, but the mission and a series of others known as the Freshman Raids showed promise for American daylight bombardment. Three disastrous missions in the late summer and fall of 1943 illustrated United States Army Air Force's theory flaws. Eager to strike Hitler's oil supply, 177 B-24 Liberators based in North Africa attacked oil refineries at Ploesti, Romania on 1 August 1943. Ploesti was one of the most heavily defended targets in Europe so success depended on a 2,700-mile flight, much a low level to avoid radar detection, accurate open-water navigation, good weather, and surprise. But a combination of bad weather, human error, and bad luck scattered the bomber formations and resulted in a nightmare for surviving crews. As the careful plan imploded, bombers improvised striking targets of opportunity in the face of determined fighter opposition and hundreds of anti-aircraft guns. The attacking force lost 54 B-24s, 41 in combat. Of the 177 aircraft, only 30 emerged unscathed. Although the strike reduced oil refining capacity by 40%, within a few days a new facility opened, negating the damage. After finally assembling enough trained crews to strike deep into Germany, 8th Air Force planners targeted German ball-bearing factories in an effort to destroy a, quote, vital center in the enemy's industrial web. They devised an ambitious double raid upon the Messerschmitt Aircraft Factory at Regensburg and the top-priority Schweinfurt ball-bearing plants. The plan called for a wave of the 3rd Air Division to fight through German fighters, hit Regensburg, and proceed to North Africa to land, followed 30 minutes later by a second bomber wave that would strike Schweinfurt, as German fighters on the ground rearmed and refueled. On 17 August 1943, General LeMay's 3rd Air Division launched the first wave. Thick fog delayed the second wave and prevented fighter escorts from taking off. When the fog lifted, almost the entire German fighter force pounced upon the ill-fated 1st Air Division. 
the 8th Air Force staggered under the loss of 60 out of 361 B-17s and 600 trained aircrew members, more casualties in a day than during the previous six months. To make matters worse, the Schweinfurt ball-bearing plants required re-attack. Known as Black Thursday, the 14 October 1943 mission against Schweinfurt effectively ended the United States Army Air Force's unescorted bombing campaign. Determined to destroy the top priority target, General Eker ordered 291 B-17s to run the gauntlet of German fighters. This time bombing accuracy improved significantly and the mission severely damaged the factories but another 60 bombers were shot down. Seven were destroyed upon landing in England, and 138 B-17s suffered battle damage. While war planners devoted the bulk of American air power to daylight strategic bombing, in October 1943, heavily modified mission-unique bombers from the Special Flight Section, 5th Bombardment Wing, 12th Air Force, along with England-based 81st Bomber Group's, quote, carpetbaggers, provided clandestine support for Allied partisans and guerrilla units in occupied territories, rescuing hundreds of downed air crews trapped behind enemy lines. Some technological and production breakthroughs reversed the course of the air war over the winter of 1943-44. During the initial campaigns, effective long-range escort fighters appeared to be technically impossible. In order to carry the fuel necessary for long-range flight, Fighters required at least twin engines, but the increased size sacrificed speed and maneuverability. The long-range Lockheed P-38 Lightning offered a partial solution, but the P-38's performance lagged at high altitudes. In mid-1943, the United States Army Air Forces introduced 75-gallon and later 108-gallon drop tanks that extended the combat radius of the Republic P-47 Thunderbolt fighter from 175 miles to 280 miles and 325 miles, respectively. The P-47's extended range provided an important step, but only a partial answer to the escort problem. The North American aviation P-51 Mustang revolutionized the air war over Europe. Designed in only 100 days during the spring of 1940, the Mustang was to supplement the Royal Air Force's Spitfire. The initial Allison engine for the P-51 proved inadequate, but when the Spitfire's Rolls-Royce Merlin engine replaced the original power plant, the results stunned aviators. At 440 miles per hour, the P-51B was faster and could outturn and outdive the latest models of ME-109 and the new Falk Wolf FW-190. With a basic range of 500 miles, augmentable to 850 miles, the Mustang flew farther than a B-17 with normal payload. Introduced in December 1943, the P-51 had to wait until late February 1944 before weather permitted full flight operations and was a technological marvel, a plane with a bomber's range and a fighter's performance. The P-47 and P-51 team seized the air superiority from the Luftwaffe in the spring of 1944. Complementing the technological improvements, Allied factories poured out large numbers of new aircraft, and stateside training bases produced well-trained aircrews, 
At the helm of the 8th Fighter Command, Brigadier General William E. Kepner maximized his advantage by introducing new tactics. Fighters will no longer be required to, quote, stick to the bombers. Numerical superiority permitted fighter sweeps and aggressive scouting. Superior range allowed fighters to strafe German airfields and attack targets of opportunity. Armed with new aircraft, tactics, and superior numbers, Spatz, Doolittle, and Kepner launched Operation Argument. With the objective of winning air superiority and crippling Germany's aircraft industry. Between 20 and 25 February 1944, the 8th Air Force flew 3,300 heavy bomber sorties. The 15th Air Force added 500 missions from Italy, and Royal Air Force Bomber Command flew 2,750 night attacks aimed at German aircraft manufacturing plants. Protecting them involved nearly 4,000 fighter sorties. At a cost of 226 American bombers, 140 British heavies, and 41 United States Air Force fighters, Operation Argument destroyed 355 Luftwaffe fighters, damaged 155 fighters, and killed 400 fighter pilots. Although the Luftwaffe replaced its aircraft, it could not replace the 2,262 experienced pilots killed in the five months preceding D-Day, the invasion of Normandy. By 6 June 1944, Allied air forces dominated the skies of Europe. On the first day of the invasion, the Allies directed 8,722 United States Army air forces and 5,676 Royal Air Force's sorties against German defenses in France. In response, the once vaunted Luftwaffe could launch fewer than 100 sorties, and only two German aircraft inflicted damage on the invasion beaches. Allied bombers and fighters trumped the German integrated air defense network. After the Normandy invasion, the combined bomber offensive devastated Germany. Approximately 75% of the 1.5 million tons of bombs dropped were after June 1944. In contrast to the horrific losses experienced at Schweinfurt, Regensburg, and Ploesti in 1943, the American losses fell to the, quote, acceptable rates. By 1945, some raids reported negligible losses. One bomber lost out of 1,094 sent to Kassel, 5 out of 1,310 at Schmitz, Madberg, and zero losses of 1,219 at Nuremberg. At its peak, the United States Army Air Forces and Royal Air Force massed 7,904 heavy bombers in the theater and 28,000 combat planes total. By 16 April 1945, General Spatz declared the strategic air war against Germany ended since all significant targets were considered destroyed. From 1942 to 1945, the combined bomber offensive was the longest, bloodiest air campaign in history. According to the United States Strategic Bombing Survey, the Allies flew 1.69 million combat sorties and dropped 1.5 million tons of bombs, killing and wounding more than a million Germans and destroying 3.6 million buildings, 20% of the nation's total. 
air power emerged as a dominant weapon in Western Europe during World War II. Enlisted personnel served with honor throughout World War II. For example, a raid against the last operational Nazi oil refinery on 15 March 1945 was successful, but cost the life of one of the enlisted force's most decorated airmen. Sergeant Sandy Sanchez flew 44 missions as a gunner with the 95th Bomb Group, 19 more than required to complete his tour. After returning home for a brief period, rather than accepting an assignment as a gunnery instructor, he returned to Europe. Flying with the 353rd Bombardment Squadron in Italy, Sanchez's aircraft was hit by ground fire. Nine of the ten crew bailed out successfully, but Sanchez never made it out from the stricken aircraft. Sanchez was the only enlisted airman to have a B-17 named for him. At the age of 20, on a mission to bomb the oil refineries outside Vienna, Technical Sergeant Paul Airy and his fellow crewmen were shot down on their 28th mission. He was held as a prisoner of war for 10 months, surviving a 90-day march from the Baltic Sea to Berlin before being liberated by the British Army in 1945. Promoted to Chief Master Sergeant in 1962, Airy became the first Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force in 1967. In 1988, he received the first Air Force Prisoner of War Medal 